I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. go it is always great to be with you thanks for joining us monday rundown husker online all the goodness here it is there's the great sean callahan and you guys are you guys and you're watching us we appreciate that very much should be fun coming off the bye week much needed bye week sean i know obviously that everybody kind of gathers themselves here we go into homecoming against indiana we'll get to the guests and what we're going to talk about tonight in just a second but another reminder It's a great time to sign up with Husker Online because why wouldn't you? It is a great deal, just $10 for the year. The coaching search is ongoing. There's a lot to talk about on that front. Although I will just say right off the bat, Sean, I mean, it would be unprecedented in the middle of a season to announce that Lance Leopold has switched teams to Nebraska and he's now coaching on the sidelines for the Huskers this Saturday. But it seems like the whole world would like to see it. I've read at least 20 articles saying that Lance Leopold's going to be the guy There's still a long way from the end of this season to that announcement, but nonetheless, how are you? Good, sir. Good evening. Good to see you. And uh, yeah, and I'm going to, I've known Lance actually a long time. Lance Leipold. Leipold. Um, And he, he actually, you know, he, he's worked at Nebraska before he's worked at Nebraska Omaha. So he's got deep connections here and knows a lot of people lived in Lincoln a long time. Um, But yeah, yeah. Four and O start at Kansas. That's getting everyone's attention. Uh, Dave Aranda is another guy that's getting a lot of attention, but when you look at what Lance has done, how can you not be impressed? I mean, going on the road, winning at Houston, going on the road, winning at West Virginia. Could Nebraska have done that right now? It's hard to say. And then beating an undefeated Duke team uh, that would, you know, that beat Northwestern earlier this year, same Northwestern team that beat Nebraska um, and beating them in Lawrence, you know, and that place was sold out. And I've been to, I was in Kansas city this weekend. I told my wife, we should just drive over to Lawrence and, uh, watch the game, but it was a sold out game. So the, the, the Jayhawk fans are, are are pretty enthused about what Lance has done. And, you know, there was a legitimate talk of college game day coming out to Lawrence for this game. It's crazy to think about. He's 58 years old. You mentioned it, Sean. He's a guy that was a former Cornhusker assistant from 01 through 03, as you also mentioned, 10 years at Nebraska Omaha. So that's a guy really familiar. His name will continue to intensify there will be other names to be sure nebraska is still a a desired place to coach obviously with that fan base and that tradition uh it'll be interesting to see as this plays out just exactly which names move to the forefront i saw a list the other day that was 15 names long i thought goodness gracious we're gonna have to whittle this down here soon enough but there is still the rest of this year to play out and i guess i will ask you right off the top here um, kind of what's the mood like? It's homecoming. I know it can't be great, but it is a, it's a winnable game against Indiana. I know former special teams coordinator Bill Bush will make his debut as the interim defensive coordinator against Indiana. Uh, certainly beats the hell out of making your debut against Oklahoma. 
So uh, there, you, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you look at this matchup. It's interesting. Indiana leads the – or they're second in the country in plays per game. Uh, they, they average over 80 play snaps a game in a loss to Cincinnati. They ran 104 snaps Saturday. Mm. They threw the ball 66 times. Uh, they're averaging over 50 throws per game. And when you take out their Idaho game, which was an FCS win – um, their their average length of game is four hours. So they they lengthen the game, they maximize play count, and that worries me for Nebraska because we know they've not been good discipline wise on defensive tackling. Um, are they disciplined enough to play an 80, 90 snap game without wearing down and breaking down? And I think if you're Nebraska this week, you've got to figure out an offensive game plan that that shortens this game. You've got to huddle. You've got to give the ball to your backs because the way Indiana wants to play is a bad matchup for Nebraska's defense right now because we know this Nebraska defense is really not built to be on the field 80, 90 snaps, and that's what Indiana wants to do. Sean, to that end, Mickey Joseph said as much, right? He was critical of himself in that Oklahoma game where he mentioned that when things started to go south, he didn't slow down the tempo and was very cognizant of that after the fact. You know, during these difficult times when Nebraska's losing football games and you're looking at personnel and you're deciding where do we go from here, obviously Scott Frost has been fired. There's been a change in defensive coordinator. And I asked you guys last week, I know Jim's going to join us again this week. I look forward to it. I think Sip's going to join us here in about 20 minutes, right? 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah, a few minutes. So, so we'll, we'll do the roundtable thing again here, Sean. But I, I am curious, like, what can be done – there is something very tangible in that, right? Slowing the game down, running the play clock, fewer plays on a defense that simply cannot be out. They're not talented enough. They're not deep enough. Yeah, and, and, and Mickey said that. And the Oklahoma game, I think, showed that. You know, everybody was critical of Nebraska's defense because they, they didn't get stops. But Nebraska's offense had 14 possessions, and they went 12 in a row without points. And, you know, that your defense is – screwed in that situation you can't put your defense in that spot and Oklahoma Indiana's not Oklahoma um, they're not going to be that explosive of a team um, but they are going to try to bore you to death with little three to five yard passes the entire game and all it takes is a missed tackle here a missed tackle there for this game to really turn Nebraska what's interesting is Nebraska is favored uh, that spread I believe is now up to six and a half points wow and I, I think everyone's really surprised so you think about this. This is the fourth time in five games Nebraska's been the Vegas favorite in their in their uh, games this year. Uh, the only time they've been an underdog was Oklahoma, and Nebraska's one and three. And I mean, a lot of people will probably pick against them this week, um, but they've had a bye. They've had time to recharge. Mickey Joseph and his guys have kind of figured out what they want to do. I think they're going to try to simplify the defense. That was one of the problems we saw on defense. The call sheet was too deep. Um, former defensive coordinator Eric Shenander was almost looking for that perfect call every time, trying to match personnel, do this and that. And then a lot of times they weren't ready before the play started. And how can you play fast physical defense if you're not set? So I do think you're going to see Nebraska uh, really try to simplify things on defense. And I know that everyone says, that, let's play fast, let's simplify it. But they've got to do that. I mean, that, that has been an issue, um, just simply not being lined up for the play. 
Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. We've got an opportunity here, Sean, to bring in Steve Simple. Now there's Sip right now. He's he's jumped on board. He's got proper lighting. He's at the proper angle. The bye week did Sip wonders. Look at him. Looking yeah. like a new man. Yeah, Jeff, my uh, wife helped me turn on the lights. I mean... <laughs> I can't do anything on my own anymore. <laughs> we got the laptop working. We we the phone angle wasn't working last week. Now Sean didn't like Sean didn't like the the angle I held my phone at for some reason. <laughs> How are yeah, you guys doing? How are you guys yeah, doing? You should tell Sean. Tough luck, man. I'm going to let people see up my nose, and that's the way it's going to be. That's just <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to see up my nose, Jeff. <laughs> We're we got a lot a lot to cover this week and. First of all, you've had, um, you know, we we teased this last week, but you had some very interesting conversations on the phone with just different people around the industry. Uh, you talked to Kyle Whittingham. Uh, you mm -hmm. talked to Barry Alvarez. I know um, you didn't have anything on the record with um, Ed Orgeron, but you spoke with Ed Orgeron, um, mm -hmm. just kind of getting a lay of the situation at Nebraska. Uh, when you sit here now about a week later, uh, kind of where are your thoughts on things right now heading into, in, into Saturday? Well, I think it's all very preliminary. Um, everything, it, well, if we're talking about the coaching search, Sean, it still feels all very preliminary. It, it's fun. I mean, I think we're in sort of a fun stage where it's sort of fantasy land. We got like, it, it feels like you just can just just reel off all these names of potentials, a potential, for, a potential future Nebraska coaches. I don't know if any of them, how many of them are realistic, but a few are uh, enough to entertain us <laughs> as far as the season goes. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I'm still very interested in that. I'm interested now to see if Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush with Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush leading the way, if they can pull this off, meaning can they get Nebraska to a bowl in that sense? It's not much different than my intrigue with Scott Frost the principles in the discussion have just changed. I mean, I was interested if, if Scott could pull the plane out of a tailspin. All right. I'm still interested in that. It's just different guys. Um, the conversations evolved a little bit. The last thing before we get back to you guys, the conversations evolved a little bit in that these teams that Nebraska is going to face down the road a few of them aren't as tough as we maybe thought. Wisconsin doesn't look as tough as maybe they, as the Badgers usually are. Iowa doesn't look as tough as the Hawkeyes usually are. Um, you know, Indiana and Illinois look like you, you should be able to for sure play with them and maybe pull something off. Same with Rutgers. Purdue has even looked a little more vulnerable than I thought. So, hey, man. I'll tell you what, I, I have no problem being very interested in what's coming. What do you, th I mean, we talked about Indiana, this game, and we were talking about it before you got on, uh, but the style the Hoosiers play, in some ways, it's a matchup nightmare if the Hoosiers can run 90 or 100 snaps because we know, A, SIP, this Nebraska defense is not built to really play that many snaps. 
and 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 B, they miss a lot of tackles and just the level of discipline and 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 skill it's gonna take. I mean, what what are you anticipating to see in this game from Nebraska's defense? Well, Sean, you hit it really. I mean, really realize that well. Indiana ran 100, 108 plays, I think, on Cincinnati. 108? 104. 104. 104 plays. And you've also written where Nebraska's vulnerable. You you've said, well, Vance Joseph um indicated to Mickey Joseph, his brother that Nebraska is, you know, their issues are inside linebacker in the secondary. I've heard secondary, knowing that the that the inside linebackers also struggle, and they struggle in pass protection. And that's where Indiana really can hit you. I mean, they'll, they'll really test your secondary and your underneath coverage. They'll test your passing game and your pass defense in a lot of ways. Also, though, they're not – Sean Shivers, I think, is a the Shivers or Shivers, the running back, is good. He's a good, he's a good, tough running back. Um, they're they're oh, they'll test you. And their defense, I know I see on our message board some people saying they got a bad defense. It's not great, but they they kept Cincinnati in check in the second half. 31 plays. Um, I think in or excuse me, 36 plays Cincinnati ran. And only got 82 yards, or just just over 80 yards. That got my attention. And Cincinnati couldn't run the ball. That got my attention. Well, they beat they beat Illinois. They beat Illinois. That gets your and attention. The Western Kentucky win is a nice win too. I mean, Western Kentucky went into and beat Florida International. I think uh, Jeff was at 72 to nothing. Yeah, and they can really throw it. And I actually thought that they would beat Indiana. I watched that game. Went to overtime. It was a great game. That was a good win for Indiana. Yeah, they're hey, Nebraska being favored is is a, a little strange to me. I I wouldn't I'm not gonna pick Nebraska. I mean, there's I'd probably I'll probably right now the way I'm looking at it is Indiana by six to ten points because of because of Nebraska's troubles on defense. Hey Sip, I got a quick question, Sean. You too. I, I'm curious about this. Looking from afar, just looking at that Nebraska situation. Sip, you mentioned some games on the schedule that feel for lack of a better term, imminently winnable, right? There's some teams yeah. on there that Nebraska could beat. Well, let's say that were to happen. Let's go ahead and say that Nebraska finds a way and is sitting there with an opportunity to get to five wins, maybe six, and, and go bowling. Short of that kind of a miracle turnaround, how realistic is it for interim head coach Mickey Joseph to become the next head coach at Nebraska? What does he have to do, and do you think it's likely at all? Um, Jeff, it's a good question. That's what everybody's kind of wondering, and nobody knows the exact right answer. I think, I think he would have to get to a bowl or, at the minimum, five wins to be taken really seriously. And I think that's the way it should be. By the way, I, I don't, you know, Mickey. I mean, he'll have head coaching experience at the Power Five level, but just in this situation, mm-hmm. um, so. I think right now most fans are in agreement that you need a more of a veteran power five coach A coach has been in a power five situation, maybe multiple years. Not everybody agrees on that. And here's the deal, Jeff, here's what it comes down to. Okay. Here's what it comes down to with Mickey. If they get going, Mickey's Mickey's the things, the thing that will work in Mickey's favor are momentum and emotion. 
the the fans will be very emotional about it. He's 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 a former Nebraska player. Right. Um, he's, he's kind of a beloved figure. And that emotion will 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 be a big part of that discussion. Just pure emotion and pure momentum. That's what Mickey would have in his favor if he, Jeff, even if he can win two of the next three. If he could get Indiana and then go on, then take Nebraska on the road and beat either Ruck, beat either Rutgers or Purdue. I'm telling you, man, that Mickey Joseph conversation would pick up serious steam, at least in the fan base. At least in the fan base. Sip, you're, I mean, we're both familiar with the momentum of these type of situations. I go back to 03 when Bo Pelini took over and just how captivated the fan base was before he took over with Bo Pelini. And then that bowl game. And, you know, we were in the Alamo Bowl, uh, it was Alamo Dome, what, 20 years ago. And that place was, the whole place was like, we want Bo, we want Bo. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and uh, the players were, it got really emotional. The players get involved. You're yep. right. Yeah, I think if they can get some momentum going into buy number two, the mm-hmm. conversation could turn pretty quickly. It really could. And you got Jeff. I mean, you're very familiar with the college football world and you know how much emotion plays into it. I mean, this is I mean, it's just that's what it largely is about momentum and emotion. And Mickey would have those two things. But not to Trev Alberts, who has a decision of a lifetime on his hands, right? I mean, this is a guy who now all the attention has turned to, and I would think that he would want to remove momentum and emotion and look solely at what's best for Nebraska long-term and who is the best coach for Nebraska to get this thing turned around. Uh, It it is curious. It'll be interesting to see. But first of all, obviously, Mickey Joseph has a tall task. He's got to win. Let's start with this weekend's homecoming game against Indiana before we start having any questions about that kind of momentum. But I I, I did ask the question. I was curious, was there even a way? And short of winning six, seven games, it it didn't it didn't seem very likely. So just kind of kind of curious where your guys heads were at with on that. And um, now we know. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now we know. I see uh, Jim is in the picture as well. Uh, Sean, should we bring him in as well right now? There he is. Rosie. How you doing, fellas? How's it going today? Jim, Jim nice well. to see you. We've made progress from show one. Sipple's out of the dark and, and Rosie's equipment works. <laughs> no, I think we can all agree Sip will remain in the dark where he belongs. <laughs> Easy. Jim. I can you know, say that to Sip because we love each other. <laughs> So Jim, yeah, my, we were just talking about uh, interim coach conversations and, you know, how quickly it could turn if Mickey were to string off, say, two out of three here. And, you know, we were harkening back to that 03 Pelini season when the fan base has kind of got captivated behind Pelini. And, you know, they you know, he didn't end up getting the job, but there was a lot of momentum for him. Can you envision a scenario where Mickey Joseph uh, could get a lot of momentum here if they get hot? Only if they get remarkably hot, fellas. In my view, uh, Trev has to hire an established head coach. At least that has to be the the primary focus. He has to spend all of his considerable energy to get uh, an established head coach. He just can't risk 
the fact that Mickey's never even really been a coordinator. He was he was a, an integral part of the LSU program, and he's an integral part of this one. But uh, you've got to be awfully careful uh, in promoting an assistant coach who's never done it before. He's never built a staff. He's never coordinated a recruiting effort. He's never established a culture. And I just think Nebraska is at the end of its runway. It really can't afford to do that. You're right. The emotion of the fans is very understandable. Uh, Mickey is a dynamic guy. He's got a tremendous personality. Uh, he's the kind of individual you can really warm up to in a hurry. But he doesn't have any experience. Uh, and unless this program has a dramatic turnaround, wins at the big house, uh, captures a, a spot in a bowl game, I think it's very difficult for Trev to give him the job as head coach. That doesn't mean that Mickey won't be part of perhaps the next regime. I think if a next coach comes in here and is recruiting nationally for staff, Mickey Joseph would be a natural to pursue. So the idea that he would remain on the staff, I think is distinctly possible and quite probable, especially if you, if you connect his words of a week ago involving recruiting. Jimmy, here's the deal though. He, if they get on any kind, if they win, say, two of the next three, all right, beat Indiana, beat either Rutgers or Purdue on the road. Remember, who's at the podium? I mean, Mickey is at the podium. He's going to win a lot of hearts at that podium. And and it'll it could get interesting from a fan standpoint. I think you're right. I think the AD has to be very measured. And when you compare Mickey to the Dave Aranda or a Lance Leipold or a Bill O'Brien. The resume is not even close, but, but emotion, as you know, can carry a lot of weight in, in college football. You're, you're absolutely right, Sip. And there is some of that, but I think Trev can rise above that knowing that after the party is over, the lights come on and somebody needs to clean up the gym and, <laughs> That means after, you know, the hoopla of the hire, now you've got somebody that's got to go to work. And again, I don't want that to imply that I don't think Mickey can do it. I don't know if Mickey can do it. I just don't think Nebraska is at a place where it can afford to run the risk of a learning curve coach, especially after the Pelini experiment. You know, Bo really wasn't ready to be coach of Nebraska. I'm not sure Frank was ready to be head coach of Nebraska. There is a lot of merit in developing your coaching culture, your head coach personality, your CEO mentality, your broad picture, 30,000 foot view when you're in the minor leagues. And uh, very few, some can, oh, there's no question. Bill Snyder did it, Tom Osborne did it, Roy Williams did it. They went from being an assistant to an exemplary head coach. Dean Smith did it, different era. Uh, but I just don't think Nebraska is at a place right now. I don't think Trev is at a place right now where that's his focus. I think he wants to get an established head coach. If he doesn't get the head coach he wants, and maybe there are three or four names on his list, three or four names that his agency will provide for him. If he doesn't get any of those, absolutely, Mickey enters the picture big. Jim, when you hear the oh, name Lance Leipold, or you hear, and I saw Bruce Feldman uh, wrote recently as, uh, this past week about Matt Campbell, you mentioned Bill O'Brien. We hear these names. Everybody's got an opinion about all of these coaches, the jobs they've done in the various places they've been. Who do you think Nebraska fans get most excited about? Beyond, obviously, we will always hear Urban Meyer's name and we'll hear other high-profile guys. But if we just think about realistically the four or five that keep getting kicked around right now as being 
perhaps uh, of interest, who do you think the Nebraska fans would be most excited about? Well, none of those guys are dynamic speakers uh, in the sense that they're going to take over a room. Uh, they're not Bob Stoops in that sense. Dave Aranda is a low-key guy. Uh, I think he definitely is, is a tremendous head coach, although he's still dealing with Matt Rule's recruits there. Uh, I And I'm going to come right out with it, guys. I'm a big Lance Leipold guy. I think mm. Lance Leipold is exactly what Nebraska needs. Mm. They need a Bill Snyder. They need a a maniacal, detailed, disciplined guy. And if you do a deep dive into what he's done at Kansas, now granted, they haven't beaten a lot of BCS, you know, New Year's Day bowl teams yet. But if you look at what he has done there, the culture that he's established, the culture of accountability, the attention to detail, the player development, my goodness, Jalen Daniels was a two-star recruit. You guys, Sean, you know this. He was a two-star recruit. And I think the service academies were his best offers coming out of high school. He has turned players into something. I don't know that they're going to go 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 this year. But when you consider where Kansas was, not just from a personnel standpoint, but from a culture standpoint, in the wake of four or five bungled hires since they ran Mark Mangino out of there, what he's done in what, 18 games, 16, 17 games is remarkable. But I also know Lance. I got to know him when he was a recruiting assistant under Frank here in 2001 through 2003. He was a grad assistant with Dave Remington at Wisconsin. Uh, he worked here with uh, or worked in Omaha with Pat Burns as a full time assistant after he was a graduate assistant there. He's a bootstrapper. And I like those kind of guys. And I think the culture of Nebraska and Lance Leipold are a perfect fit. Does, hey, does Lance play any golf? I don't think he does play any golf, does he? He doesn't. He's he's just a regular guy. He looks like a junior high principal, right? Uh, he's not a dynamic speaker. You know, when you listen to him, there's a lot of ums and you knows. But you get him in a room. Uh, he He's not only in command of the material, but he has a unique skill of convincing people to believe in him and follow him. Uh, and if you go, if you search online, fellas, they captured video of the first time he spoke to the Kansas football team. Uh, and it, it was really powerful, not in that he delivered a I have a dream speech, but he was so authentic and so believable. And it was a two minute speech after the kids had completed their spring game. And he said, gentlemen, my name is Lance Leipold and it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be your coach. And they're all going, yeah, 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 yeah. And all he said was, I'll do whatever I can to help you guys win. Now, contrast that with what yeah. Scott Frost said in his first news conference was, as soon as we get our players in here, we're going to start winning, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there are 115 guys downstairs that just heard that and said, screw this guy. Mm -hmm. I, it's, they're it's just a ton right. of little things. Lance Leipold does a ton of little things every day, which lead to success. That's interesting you say that, Jimmy, because if you heard Trev on September 11th, he said, I want to, he, he likes servant leaders, servant leaders, just, just what you outlined, what, what Lance said. Now I would add this about Lance and I've always been struck by this about Lance. He's a, he's a very much a big picture guy. We we've talked for 25 years. I, I I've known Lance for 25. We've had a lot of conversation. He always would ask me what I felt were odd questions like Lance. Why, why do you care about how, coach X handles the media. I mean, how many guys are in the room? What, what, what the coach is wearing? I'd always be like, well, why are you asking me these crazy questions? Well, 
he's that he's that guy. I mean, he thinks he thinks in a big picture way, but also obviously very detailed. His his team was, I mean, it was hardly penalized last year. It was plus two in turnovers. I mean, he's he 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 takes care of those details that Trev also talks about always. You you just hit on it, Sip. In his first news conference, Trev said, "We're going to build championship habits here. Mm-hmm. We have to change our habits. And you're not going to you're not going to be able to do big things until you get the small things done. And that's Lance Leipold. He's mm-hmm. not trying to impress anybody. He's not going to impress you with the way he dresses." He's not going to lift weights to look like, you know, he just came off a calendar page. He's a guy that just knows what the hell he's doing. And his collection of no-name assistant coaches have turned a bunch of players nobody else wanted uh, into a collective unit that believes it can beat anybody now. And I think it's distinctly possible that Kansas could be 6-0 when it goes to Norman in a couple of weeks. They got home games against TCU and Iowa State. Uh, I, I don't know that it'll happen. Because Iowa State's advanced in its program, TCU has probably better material. But uh, just look at what they did at Houston. They had no business winning at Houston. Most teams in the throes of a 65 or 70-minute rain delay would just check out. Not those guys. They stayed focused for 70 minutes and then came out and just blasted Houston. That, I think, is a reflection of their head coach. But that doesn't mean Lance is the only one. I think Bill O'Brien, what he did at Penn State, was remarkable. He never got enough credit for that, even though I think he was Big Ten Coach of the Year. Should have beaten Nebraska and Lincoln that year. Remember a couple of shaky officials calls that kept Penn State from winning that. I think Bill O'Brien is a terrific coach based on what he did at Penn State. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You know, you back to Lance, though, and you lived in Kansas City for a while. For Kansas to be sold out in September for a football game, put that into context. Uh, it, it was It was all about, Lance, we love you. Please don't leave. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Unless the basketball team was putting an exhibition on at halftime, there's no chance that they sell out that place in September. I don't know when the last time they sold out a non-conference home game for Kansas. Now, when Oklahoma comes there or another yeah. big well, – they bring yeah, like, K-State. Hey, sure. When K-State or Nebraska or any of those regional schools used to go in there, sure. But a non-conference game in September, very, very unusual. Uh, But it says that the Kansas people really love this guy. And I think the other thing to consider, and a lot of fans have chimed in about, well, open up the checkbook, give Bob Stoops a blank check. Lance Leipold is not going to be governed by money. They are not going to get him because they offer him more money than somebody else. They're going to get him because he feels like he can win a championship here and be happy here. His wife's from Omaha. He coached, as I mentioned, at Nebraska at UNO and was an assistant staffer at Nebraska and coached at Doan. So he's got Nebraska ties, but he's from Wisconsin. Frankly, guys, I think Wisconsin is the bigger competitor for Lance Leipold than anybody else. He would hey, a- I'll tell you something. He, he'd come here. The, the big question with a guy like Aranda is, could you reel him in? That's not a question with Lance. It's not. No. That's not I, I agree. I agree, Sip. Bo Pelini wanted this job. Scott Frost wanted this job. They were not hard gets. Okay. You were going to have to compete really for them. 
Uh, the notion that Florida and Tennessee were after Scott, he wanted to coach here. Same thing with Lance. I don't know that Dave Aranda would come to Nebraska for those reasons. He'd come because he thinks he's going to win a championship and they're going to pay him a lot more than the $6 million he's making at Beta right now. But in the case of, of Lance, again, I, I just see Bill Snyder plus 25 years here. I, I see very, very similar traits, a strict disciplinarian, a tremendous leader, a great thinker, an excellent motivator, somebody who's not going to try to impress anybody, who's not impressed with himself. He's looking for a situation. Uh, and I believe if Nebraska offers him the job, I think he's going to take it. But I, I don't know that. What do you think pay-wise? Go ahead, go ahead, Sean. Um, you, you look at the Big Ten salary structure. Low low man is four million. High man's nine and a half. What's the number for a guy like Leipold? Around five, probably. Uh, and I think they would give. I think he'd do it for less, but I think they'd give him five million just as a demonstration of seriousness. But I think in that sense, Sean and, and fellas, I think that Lance would negotiate significant salary for assistance long before what he would negotiate for himself. I think that's one of the secrets of Iowa State. You know, Matt Campbell's paid well, but every year he negotiates more for his assistance because he knows it's a pain in the rear end to have to replace assistance every year. So Lance would probably say, this is what I need, but this is what I need my staff to get. Uh, and I think that, that that's a no-brainer. I just don't think he's motivated by money. I was talking to somebody who knows him very well today. Uh, and he said, Lance has plenty of money. And this guy came from a little town in, uh, in Wisconsin. This guy rode the rails in D3. He had a funny quote. He said, you know, when you're riding a bus for eight hours as head coach of a Division three program, what you're thinking about is how am I going to sell enough foursomes and whole signs to afford this trip? So you're really not motivated by money. <laughs> no, Jim, Jim, I've got a quick question. Is there a name that has not been mentioned yet? Maybe an off the radar guy that you think, because perhaps ties to Nebraska, perhaps it's a guy that for whatever reason is unhappy in a situation that a lot of people are unaware of, uh, that would seem to be a place that they wouldn't leave, but a place like Nebraska comes calling. They think about it. Is there a dark horse candidate? I guess is what I'm asking you, Jim. I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think there is because I think the profile of this coach, of this hire, let me change my word from coach to hire. The profile of this hire is a lot easier to say than do for Trev. Uh, he knows what this program needs. What this program needs more than anything else is a structure, a discipline, a detailed guy, somebody who's here because he believes in the Nebraska culture. His values reflect those of Nebraska. Yeah, there's one out there that I don't know about, uh, that none of us know about. We didn't know about Bill Snyder until he got the job. Bill who? Who's this? Where did he come from? You know, Roy Williams, who? Where, where did he come from? Uh, the really great assistants keep low profiles. They don't self-promote much. Uh, and is there a head coach out there? Perhaps. I don't know that there's one in a Power Five conference. What about Nebraska Dave Dorn? Right now. What about Dave Dorn, Kansas City native? That's the guy that had a power five. I know he had interest in this job in 2012 when Bo Pelini almost went to Arkansas, and that was a long time ago. Um, but that that's one, and he's got Tim Beck and John Garrison there with him right now. Is he a surprise guy that could kind of emerge in this thing right now? It's possible, Sean. Uh, I think in light of the fact that Tim Beck walked past Joe Burrow for uh, – 
for the kid out of Houston, that disqualifies him from returning here. <laughs> you got a um, coach Joe Burrow at Ohio State, though, with Urban Meyer. Yeah. Uh, the wounds are still fresh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's an excellent coach. He really is. Uh, and he's, but he's in a great situation now. If I were him, I'd be really careful about leaving the ACC because there's so much material there. The recruiting base in the ACC is so good. You can share Wake Forest and Carolina in Carolina because, as you guys know, there are so many players in Virginia, in the Carolinas, South Carolina. There's just so much material, and it's a cultural change. Uh, but he does have a Nebraska flavor on his staff. He's obviously really good. Uh, I, I just wonder how many – but that would be a money deal. You'd have to throw so much money at him to get him to move that I, I think you're you're now you're dancing with the wrong partner. Again, you don't want somebody who's coming here for the money. You want to be competitive financially, but you don't want somebody who's only going to take this job because the check is larger than the next guy's. Hmm. Then we're we're just not we're we're not making the structural cultural change that needs to happen here. He's at five million right now, Rose. Yeah. So, You'd have to give him seven, seven and a half, eight to get him to justify that lease. NC State would go to six without batting an eye. Sure. And Kansas is probably going to offer Lance a seven-year deal at $35 million uh, to try to keep him. They, they're going to get that with their new TV deals. And they're look, the Wichita Mafia has plenty of deep pockets to keep or get rid of any coach they want. Been doing it for the last 75 years down there. That's the funny nickname for the cadre of wealthy KU fans down south. Uh, but I promise you, it's – and Sip, again, you know Lance even better than I do. He's not leaving for money. He's He may stay at Kansas because he's happy, mm. but he's not going to leave – he's not going to leave and go someplace because they offered him a lot of money. Now, this place has always intrigued him. I, yeah. I, I don't think Kansas could do anything to keep him. Now, Kansas fans would kill me. And <laughs> I know some Kansas boosters would kill me for saying yeah. that. Um, yeah. But I, I, I – no, I know – I know he's always been intrigued by this job. I Except mean, they're aware of their situation. They, they, they know you're speaking the truth, buddy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, it, hey, Kansas, Kansas for years has been lucky with their basketball coach. They got the right one yeah. three times in a row, uh, and they're, they're, they're used to that. Uh, but they're, they're not fooling themselves. And that's the other thing. You're not paying. Bill Snell's doing, I think, $7 million a year. I, I can't recall what his last deal was. You're not going to pay, just like here, you're not going to pay the basketball coach more than the football coach. Kansas, you're not going to pay the football coach more than the basketball coach. But they got the right guy because he's not motivated by money. He's doing $3 million a year right now. I mean, that's less than than most coaches of his accomplishment, but that's plenty. Look, $3 million goes a long way in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, here's the thing. On Go power ahead, salary, by the way. So he's right at the low point of Power 5 salaries right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. What I hope is that – Lance Leipold just wouldn't become the fallback plan that they know they can get him. Um, so we're going to go after some bigger names and come back. I I don't know if that's what I have no, and I got to tell you, I don't really know what Trev has in mind, except what he said publicly, which, and he said quite a bit. I mean, he's talked about one and some wanting someone who concentrates on the line of scrimmage, someone who fits our values, someone who is detail oriented. Um, uh, there's some uh, someone who connects to the modern day student athlete. He has laid out some things that that actually do kind of give you a, a clues as to what he's looking at. He wants a physical team. And by the way, 
Aranda fits that. O'Brien fits that. Lance fits that. All these guys Campbell. that we're talking about, they fit. What? Excuse me. Campbell, he fits that. Yeah, he fits that. They all fit that. They don't beat themselves. Those teams don't beat themselves. So I do think we sort of have a pretty good idea of what he's looking for and probably a few of the names he's looking at. Yeah, I, there are a couple other names. Jeff, you talked about other names. If if we were two or three years down the road, I would throw the name Jay Norvell out. Uh, hmm. I, I love Jay Norvell. Uh, you know, he's a bootstrapper. He's come through the back way, too. He's climbed the back of the mountain. And he's at Colorado State now. He has a massive rebuilding job at Colorado State. But he he was a longtime assistant, did well in his first head coaching job in Nevada, former Iowa player, uh, former uh, assistant in Nebraska. He was Bill Callahan's unused offensive coordinator. I think Nebraska won a lot of, won a lot more games under Bill if he would relied more on Jay than he did. Uh, he's a guy that would be a fantastic fit here. Uh, but he's he's too new in that gig. Uh, he needs to be two years down the road, as Leipold is, from a cultural standpoint, a fundamental standpoint, a charismatic standpoint. You know, Jay owns the room probably a little more than Lance. But in my view, Leipold checks every box. Uh, and I don't think he's a fallback position. I think, honestly, guys, Trev has three guys, three or four guys in his mind. He's waiting for the agency to you know, deliver some results because they're vetting the candidates and everything. But I don't think he would see as any of the three as one, two, or three. I'd say he'd say these three, any of these three are my choices. And then there's another cut of guys. And that could include Mickey. Uh, that could include a lot of assistant coaches. But I just think he knows in his heart of hearts that Nebraska cannot afford a learning curve head coach. They've got to get somebody who's done it uh, and done it in multiple ways. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I think that exhausts our coaching search for the evening, gentlemen. <laughs> We've hired the guy, you know. That's a lot of Lance discussion. We and went I, 40 I, minutes without mentioning um, Matt Campbell until about the last part of the show. That was pretty impressive, by the way. He's, yeah. I, I, you know, he's had so many chances to leave. I think he really has a wonderful relationship with his athletic director, Jamie Pollard, who's really one of the very best in the business. And I personally believe that, that Pollard has said to Matt Campbell, look, I know you love it here and I believe you. You give me a list of the schools that you would leave Iowa State for and then I'll know. Otherwise, I trust you to ignore the rumors. I don't think Nebraska's on that list. I'll bet you that Dave, I, I, I think, I, Jimmy, you know how I feel about Lance, yeah. but I'm looking closely right now to Randa. He's great. I think, yeah, I think, I think that's a name for Nebraska fans to keep an eye on. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, it's... I think Aranda, I think you got to watch it. I mean, I don't know if they can get him. That's the question. I know they can get Leipold. Don't know if they can get Aranda. I, I think I think it would be very challenging to get Aranda because he's going to have to figure that Nebraska in the rebuild position is better than the very good situation he has. He can win the conference championship regularly there, especially with Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC. 
I don't know what the Big 12 is going to look like in three years. And maybe that's a construct. And that might be entering into Lance Leipold's thinking, too. What league am I going to be in in three years? What will the Big 12 look like? Uh, I think Aranda was fantastic at Wisconsin and LSU as a defensive coordinator. You talk about a guy who understands how to win at the line of scrimmage. I, I think Nebraska would be fortunate to get him, too. I th- like I said, I think the top three guys and Bill O'Brien uh, would all be great here. I just wonder if O'Brien wants to go back to the NFL and if that doesn't enter. But he and Trev know each other because they live they live together in Atlanta. They didn't live in the same house, but they were in Atlanta at the same time when when O'Brien was an assistant at Georgia Tech. So they are familiar with each other. I think most Nebraska fans, and I don't want to speak for them, but the two those two names in particular, if you get Aranda and Leipold as two main candidates, let's say there's a third or fourth coming forward here in the next month or so, th- those are all great names and reasons to be excited if you're a Nebraska fan. I do. I am. I'm excited. You know, makes me almost want to pay the extra tariff I'm going to have to pay to keep my seats in the East Balcony next year. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one thing I'd add about Lance is, and I just really, I hadn't thought about it at this level till right now, but Lance, this would be the one last big challenge for him. I mean, this would, this would be it. I mean, this is, this would be something he would, I mean, it's not a stepping stone or anything like that. It wouldn't be a half-hearted, it wouldn't be a half-hearted effort at all. This is, this would be where he'd want to close it out and give it and give it all he's got. So that part's very interesting to me too. Yeah, you know, his daughter is in college. She's a volleyball player at Stetson. I think his son is in high school. Uh, but like I mentioned, his wife is from Omaha. I, that is a, that's a factor. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think we could be, I don't think we could be truly sincere in suggesting that Dave Aranda would make Nebraska his last stop. No, maybe. 45, 45. Maybe. No, you I never know. Yeah. But I can tell you that I believe in my heart of hearts. This would be Lance Leipold's last stop. He's a Bill Snyder of 1989 in 2022. Wow. And this, and the similarities are insanely similar. I'll close it on this on Aranda, though. Keep in mind, a year ago, he supposedly turned down both USC um, and um, uh, who I'm blanking on here. LSU. 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 So he, I mean, he had reported opportunities to talk to both teams and Baylor up the ante to $6 million. He stayed there. Um, so he, he's pretty particular kind of like a David Shaw at Stanford. I mean, he's he's not just going to leave. Um, and he's already made a lot of money in, you know, 10-plus years of coaching. He's made over a million dollars a year probably uh, for a good chunk of his uh, Division One coaching career. So he's got money. Um, he's got a great opportunity there right now, and they've got a clean path to the playoff now um, in the Big 12. So um, it, it would take, in my opinion, $8 million plus to get Dave Aranda um, to yeah. even think about Nebraska. And I think Trev would gladly pay that if Dave Aranda is the guy that he wants. And thank you for mentioning David Shaw, Sean. There for a long time, uh, and this maybe dovetails back to Jeff's question. For a long time, I thought David Shaw was gettable uh, as a head coach at a different Power Five program because the the structure at Stanford makes it so difficult to win. Number one, nobody cares about football out there. It's an unbelievable place. It's a great school. It's an incredible area. But if you want to win a championship, it's very hard to do at Stanford. Very hard to get the kids you want, keep them there. So for a long time, I thought he was somebody that might get plucked by a high-quality Big Ten team. Maybe if he's if he expresses an interest, 
you got to listen to him. The man's won Rose Bowls. So if he expresses an interest, he's going to get a look. And I don't know how serious it would be, but he, he's got a tremendous record, too. Sean, do we want to round it out there? Or is there some other direction you want to go? Because I think we probably will have this conversation again in a week or two <laughs> as more information comes out. And, and, and then also we have a game this week. And so that'll help a little bit as well, but this is fun though. And it's intriguing. And when you vet each of these guys, you know, Jim does such a good job. All of you do the second you get done, make it a point. I go, Oh, that, that's a good, that might be a good hire. What if we could be here till, I don't know, 11 o'clock tonight, vetting candidates for this job, right? <laughs> what else do we have to do? I mean, the volleyball <laughs> team bounced back nicely. There's, there's nothing left to do but sit around and speculate, right, guys? <laughs> Monday oh, night. Oh, hey, go ahead, Sean. I said Monday nights. So this is what we do on Monday nights in Nebraska. We sit around and talk about coaching candidates. Well, and we do it on this show every Monday night, and I'm happy to do it with you gentlemen. And by the way, you guys can be a part of this with Husker Online, our Monday rundown shows every week at this time. You sign up right now, Husker Online, $10 for an entire year. You get this and so much more. Obviously, these gentlemen bring all that insight and wisdom into the coaching search and conversation centered around Nebraska football and so much more. And we'll do it again next Monday. I want to thank everybody, Jim, Steve, Sean, always pleasure being with you guys. Uh, our thanks to Trey as well for, uh, for producing the show tonight. And our thanks to all of you for watching it. We appreciate you very much. Don't forget, just $10 one year. You get all of this Husker Online. Until next Monday night, be well, everybody.